Welcome to the Living on Purpose podcast. I am your host, Maudie Wollner, a multiple business owner, life coach, busy mom of three, and curious student of life. This podcast is a place for inspired women to gather. Each week, I will share personal stories, quick inspo, strategies that you can implement right away, and engage in real conversations with badass women who have made the conscious decision to live a life on purpose one that they have intentionally designed and that they now demand. No more allowing our lives to be defined by everyone else. No more putting ourselves on the back burner. No more living in a state of default and never going after our goals or our dreams. We are gonna live our best lives on our terms. Living on purpose is our goal and we're gonna get after it starting right now. Right, peeps, this, of course, is my favorite part of the show, the time where I get to give you a big ol' virtual hug and thank you for reviewing this podcast, My Labor of Love. These ratings and reviews, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, seriously mean the world to me. This five-star review comes from E. Long Wa. E says, In this time of social distancing, where we may hurry by a friend when out walking, I appreciate the Living on Purpose podcast more than ever. Listening to Maudie is like having lunch with a friend. Open, honest, refreshing conversation from an authentic woman. Maudie, you are a gift to each of us. Thank you for sharing of yourself. E, thank you for sharing this review, and I completely agree. In this time of social distancing, connection is something that we crave more than ever, and I am thrilled that you found it here in the podcast. And I would love to hear what you think of the show. Leave a review wherever you are listening, and I will make sure to give you some love on a future episode. Welcome back to the Living on Purpose podcast. I am so excited to be interviewing Charlotte and Steve of Find a COVID shot wah. I've been so inspired by what the two of you guys and your incredible team have been doing over the past, we'll get into how long, that I just wanted to share. It seems so in line with living on purpose. And so first of all, thank you so much for spending the next 30 minutes with me explaining and um, really digging into this like project and the fact that you are helping so many people. It just blows my mind. It's so amazing. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we really quickly, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and then we're going to get right into what Find a COVID Chawa is all about. Sure. So um, Steve and I are siblings. I'm 32 and a wife and a mother of two girls. Uh, my oldest daughter has a rare genetic condition called albinism, which causes her to be legally blind. And then my youngest daughter is typically developing. I consider myself a professional volunteer. <laughs> um, I advocate for um, individuals inside and outside of the school system that face systemic barriers um, and communities that are disproportionately affected by poverty and individuals with disabilities. And then I'm also an event manager. So I manage and plan events on a local and national level for nonprofits. Oh my goodness. So you have two jobs. Two, you have more than two jobs. Yeah, right? I have more than two, I guess. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. So, so to me, it's just even more amazing that you found time, created time to to start to start and um, continue 
this amazing, amazing project. So just thank you. Yeah, no, right. it, it's been the joy of my life. Oh, the joy of your life. I love that. I can't wait to hear more. All right, Steve, tell us a little bit about what about yourself. Uh, my name is Steve. Uh, my resume is not as amazing as Charlotte's. Um, <laughs> I, I would say um, I'm in marketing and technology. I'm a dad, a soccer coach, um, and a fierce advocate. Yes. Awesome. You guys are just amazing. I'm so happy to meet you. So let's dive right in. I really felt like I was going out on a limb, reaching out to this huge, huge, huge group that I have been so inspired by to see if you two would be willing to come on the podcast. And I'm so thankful that you said yes. So can you tell our listeners what Find a COVID Shot Washington is all about? And take us back to the beginning. How did it get started? Take us to the, the, the ground level where the idea came in. I want to hear the story. Um, so Steve and I um, were talking about how we were going to find me a vaccine. I am a high-risk individual. And so when the vaccines kind of launched out, we were thinking, oh, well, we need to plan ahead for when Charlotte needs a vaccine. And we started kind of looking into things and realizing it was going to be really difficult to find an appointment because they were going in, you know, 30 seconds to 60 seconds at the beginning. And we realized if two individuals from the suburbs who are white and very tech savvy are struggling to find an appointment, what's it going to be like for those that have those systemic barriers in place? Maybe don't have internet, don't speak English, um, have systemic racism to get past. Um, All of those things combined, we just thought, this is going to be basically impossible for those individuals. And so what can we do that could help them? Um, And I'll let Steve take it from here because he kind of came up with the initial idea. Can you tell me when this was, Sharla? When were you kind of, when the vaccine kind of started peeking its head out and was looking like you might be first to get one and you're thinking, okay, how am I going to get a vaccine? When was that? What's the date here? That would have been um, January that we were discussing this. Okay. Mid-January. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking and, and Charlotte was kind of sharing that she was thinking that this was going to be a big deal. We came to this realization that there was going to be a lot bigger problem for minority communities and those that are high risk. And um, we started looking at the data um, and realizing that not only, you know, were these barriers, did these barriers exist just to get the vaccine, but we also found out that communities like uh, Black and Latino or Latinx uh, community members were two to three times more likely to either die or be hospitalized with COVID. And th- there's a lot of things that can go into that. Uh, part of that can be uh, work conditions. It can be home conditions like multi-generational housing where you've got kids, parents, grandparents, sometimes great-grandparents. Um, and a lot of times too, you know, you have a lot of um, exposure to a lot of other people in very close um, environments. And so, you know, Charlotte and I were kind of thinking about this and uh, both of us have backgrounds in social media management. And, um, you know, we thought, well, maybe we can crowdsource this. Um, you know, um, I actually built at, at the very beginning of this, before we got to the, sort of the Facebook option, uh, I built um, a little tool that would scan the website and look for changes if the status updated. Um, the challenge that we ran into is that every single provider had sort of a different system. 
there wasn't one sort of central way to monitor um, with a computer um, what was open and what wasn't. And, you know, what we noticed too is that these were going so fast that people who weren't just sitting at home um, able to hit refresh on their screen, people that were out working or working two or three jobs, it was impossible uh, for them to have um, an equitable amount of access to these vaccines. And so we really just, you know, as much as I love technology, uh, we realized that we needed to use technology as the platform to help, but that it was going to require human compassion and human dedication uh, to identify uh, the sort of when something was opening up, the patterns that were existing, um, contacts at those lo locations uh, for special circumstances. And so um, we thought, hey, we'll start this off just with a small group of people and see if you know we can help. Um, and we actually, um, you know, we started it, we hadn't invited anybody and our mom who's a nurse, um, she shared it with some of her colleagues. And so, you know, within a day, you know, we had gotten to about 50 people. And, and obviously, you know, if you're in the healthcare industry, especially if you're on the front lines, like a nurse um, and doctors, the thought of really like the public or civilians trying to help make your job easier, um, it's just like a little step in the right direction for our local community, right? Because there's there's just been so many people who may, maybe didn't believe in it or didn't want to wear their masks that are coming into hospitals. And, and it can be a little bit defeating if you're literally trying to save people's lives all the time. And so that 50 people, um, it, we posted on just our neighborhood Facebook group and that was really it. And it, um, over the course of roughly about a month and a half, um, we ballooned to over 52,000 members. And at one point, um, we were growing at the rate of the largest group on Facebook in, in just the local Washington community. Um, and, and really were the only group that was actually providing one-on-one uh, -on -one help uh, to individuals to find vaccination appointments. So yeah. that's that's kind of the genesis of how it started, and it morphed into much more than that, but that'll give you a little bit of an idea. Yeah, absolutely. So you're at 52,000 members in the Facebook community right now, and it started in January. Yeah. So, so five months, four months, um, you've grown this community. And I was, I'm trying to think when I was, introduced to to your community, I would say a couple months ago. And my sister said, Oh my gosh, this is this amazing site, hopped on. And I had got lucky enough to have an afternoon where I could go and wait in line for some extra available doses. And when I got my vaccine, I posted it, of course, on social media because I was crying. I was so excited. I was so, so thankful. And so many people asked me, how, how, how? did you, did you find a vaccine? And I didn't know what to do, but I knew to connect them with your site. And I can tell you at least four of my friends from the night I got my vaccine, the next day they had aunts, grandparents, and uncles scheduled. It was phenomenal. And my mind was completely, completely blown. So how do, how do two people help 52,000 find and lock down an appointment for vaccinations. I will just say one thing before Charlotte gives her answer. <laughs> uh, the, the way that this happened were the people that mm. joined um, our community that, um, to be perfectly honest, we always hoped that the 75 volunteers that we found 
through everything that's gone on in our community over the last few years, especially the last year, we always hoped these were our neighbors. Um, and Charla was really the person who identified, um, went through hundreds of applications um, to, to get it there. Um, so I, I want to recognize that um, that effort was, was solely her. She did an incredible job on, and she can talk more about it. Well, thanks, Steve. That's sweet. Um, I did bounce things off of him, though, you know, <laughs> to get an idea. Steve's used to managing people, so um, we make a good team. Um, so, I, like Steve said, the magic was really our volunteers. We got extremely lucky with the people that joined our Facebook group um, and how compassionate they were and how much they wanted to help. And we um, started an application process, I believe, at the end of it, we had about 650 total applications to volunteer on our team. Um, we were extremely, extremely picky on who we allowed on the team for multiple reasons. Um, one, our main goal was to help those minority communities. That's our, our big main goal. And so we wanted to make sure that our volunteers were bilingual. And so um, between our 75 volunteers, we have 33 plus languages spoken. And so fluently native speakers, not just can kind of get by, but they fluently speak it in, at home or they grew up speaking it. So they, they know the, the native lingo and, um, and also some of them are even healthcare translators. So they knew all of the healthcare translations as well. Um, so that was really helpful. Um, they are amazing human beings who gave, some of them gave as much time or more than Steve and I to this project. You know, at one point we were pulling 18 to 20 hour days and some of our volunteers were right there alongside us doing the same thing. And it has been an absolutely incredible experience to feel humanity back in the community. I think the last couple of years have been really polarizing and kind of an us versus them mentality. And the magic of this group is that it doesn't matter how you identify, what your political affiliation is or your religion, you're just a human. And you're coming into a group of other humans that want to help you. And that's really where the magic is, I think. And, and our volunteers all went through training with us. They signed privacy policies. They, you know, it was, it was a process and we have quite a robust system on the back end that people don't really know about. You know, we have documents and spreadsheets and trackers and we, we've got the whole, it's like a whole system going on that's running this behind the scenes. And on the Facebook group, it kind of looks like, you know, we're all just kind of running it on the Facebook group, but there's definitely, an organized effort being run by our volunteers and they they're incredible people. And like Steve said, they're the people that we always hoped would be our neighbors. And so I, this is off script here, but if we wanted to listeners, Washingtonians specifically wanted to somehow thank you and your volunteers, what would be the best way to do that? So we actually have two uh, nonprofit organizations that we ask people to donate to if they want to say thank you to us. Steve, do you want to give the names of them? Yeah. Um, so we have, we have two that we focus on. Uh, one is Black Coffee Northwest. Um, and uh, this is a coffee shop um, in Snohomish County that um, is fostering uh, interracial, multiracial uh, communications, conversations, and does a lot of work in the Black community. Um, not only just to foster jobs and everything else, but really to lift up the voices. Um, and they have a partner organization as well called Eastside Embrace. Um, and that's run by a friend of mine, Michaela Rice, and who's just done some amazing work around Black Lives Matter. Um, and really just, um, in my own personal community has been 
a pillar for, you know, helping educate and understand the challenges that uh, black people specifically are going through in our community. And you may think, uh, you know, a city like Kirkland, like, um, you know, that a lot of people may just think, oh, there's, you know, there's no racism, racism going on and, and, and it's happening everywhere. Um, yeah. And it's in, in suburban communities as well. And so both of these organizations uh, lift up uh, the black community. They're close to us. They're uh, important. And, um, you know, for us, we see this as an opportunity to use the technology and the platform and the privilege that we have to lift up other organizations that are doing the same work who might not have um, as much of uh, a loudspeaker to, you know, call attention to what's going on. And so we want to help them do that. How amazing that, like, I'm just seeing this ripple effect that you start, that your main goal is to connect people with COVID vaccines. However, you're also being thanked Mm -hmm. by donations to these sites, to these organizations, to these businesses that help um, and support our Black community. I think it is just phenomenal, this like ripple effect that this project. I'm putting in air quotes. I want everybody to know I'm putting it in air quotes because it's so much bigger than a project um, is having. That is so amazing. We will make sure to put in the show notes the links to both of those organizations where we can thank you and the 75 volunteers. And I also feel like it's like thanks to the 52,000 members because it really is a community that you have created. And I want to know more about the community, but I just want to go back and share my personal experience again. And I'm sure it was one of your amazing volunteers who messaged me or, or wrote back. So I thought I had this breaking information, right? That this clinic was opening up and having all these, these extra doses. I, oh my God, oh my God, I need to get on you know the site and tell everyone. So I sent my post in and it was quickly, very, very timely. It was denied. And I thought, what? You know, I, what? Oh my God but your volunteers messaged me the most gracious and I'm sure they send this all the time, but it felt, it was so heartfelt. It was, you are so, it was almost like you were such a badass. Thank you so much. <laughs> if you know this information, we actually already know about it. Keep it up. Like it was so, it wasn't just a decline my, my post, right? It was like, yeah, we're going to decline it because we already have that. And thank you so much. And that just leads me to take the next question, which is the community that you've built. You guys have mentioned compassion multiple times, and it must be a value of yours. Compassion is the feeling I get when I scroll on your site. How in the world did you, have you managed to keep us a group of 52,000 plus so positive, so uplifting, and so, so compassionate? it's, It's off the charts. Yeah, so we actually have a moderation team of 10 to 12 people that have been adminning and moderating the page. That's really their main job. And um, we really have put compassion as the the main goal for that moderation team. Um, and we have a member on that team that specifically her job is to write these responses um, mm. so that we can copy and paste it so that our wording is not only consistent, but it's also kind and compassionate. And we make sure that we're not getting annoyed and we don't get that compassion fatigue because that's a real thing that can happen when you're dealing with this on a daily basis. You can kind of feel like tired of, you know, responding kindly because you're like, oh, we already know about that one. You know, it's the 50th time this has been posted today, you know, like, and so it's been really nice to have those pre-worded, I can just copy and paste this to someone and I really mean it when I send it 
Um, but it's it's there and available. So we have an entire moderator handbook that we have on the back end that our moderators use. Um, how to respond to different questions, um, different situations, um, questions about certain counties or how do I get my second dose from this place? And that really has been the pillars that have kind of held the group together is that consistency, that compassion. And our kind of overall rule is if it's not helpful, we don't allow it. Um, and and I think that that's really helped people feel welcome and cared about. And we just wanted it to be a place where everyone felt like they were part of it. Um, and they didn't feel like they were getting, you know, reprimanded for something. Um, because you can you can kind of get that feeling sometimes in some social media groups. And we, we wanted this to feel different because of the sensitivity of what we're dealing with. Um, and we didn't want hesitant people to be coming into the group asking for vaccines when they weren't quite sure if they wanted to get one yet and then being hit with a brick wall. And so it's been it's been nice to be able to kind of give compassion to people. And I think we've all kind of been feeling stuck in our houses, not able to help and volunteer. And I think this has been a great outlet for people to just pour some love out into the community when they wouldn't otherwise have been able to. Yeah, I was just going to add that we sort of have a, a rule that you know, we all follow in a lens that we put everything through. And and that's even in the most challenging scenarios of moderating content and whatever else, um, our response is always that kindness is free. And so, um, you know, when we look at this and we talk about, you know, what we envisioned when this started was that, you know, we, we want to portray it for lack of a better term, it's a brand, right? Mm. Uh, it, and that we, we had some, we had an idea of what we wanted our identity to look like. And in a world that has been so tumultuous, you know, kindness is the one thing that everybody appreciates, no matter where you sit politically or ideologically. And I think that really was the core of kind of Charlotte's filter on who do we bring in? Um, and I'll tell you, we would actually, um, you know, we got to a kind of a critical mass of where we, you know, we had so many volunteer applications that we had to say, hey, uh, we're not processing right now, um, but, you know, here's how you can help. And we would actually hold off on making selections to see who would go back into the group um, and would offer help continuously over a period of a day or a week. Because there were a lot of people who wanted to sign up because they wanted to be associated with something good, but they didn't really have the time and sometimes not the right intentions of why they were there. And so um, we would kind of test the waters. And when we would see people using their time with out seeking recognition and really just there to share that kindness um, was a, a green flag for us. So we weren't necessarily trying to red flag people. We were trying to green flag, um, you know, just as Mr. Rogers said, look for the helpers. Um, and, and that's really what we went for. Uh, I'm just getting all the, all the chills, all the emotions, just it's phenomenal. I was recently, um, I'm curious to hear your, a couple of maybe success stories that you've loved. I was recently looking, scrolling on your site and hashtag case closed. And you know, the, one of the moderators said, Hey, tell us your story. There were like 300 comments. I was like, Oh my God, it's so amazing and beautiful. So do, first of all, do you know how many approximately people you've coupled with a vaccine? So there's there's sort of two methodologies to this. So first of all, um, while we track our processes, just about um, is a person helped, uh, we don't keep documentation on who we've helped. 
for privacy reasons. Um, so there's no sort of like master database that tells us how many people we connected. What I can tell you is that uh, based on what we know, not only about the people that have joined the group, obviously the 52,000, and you keep in mind too that um, that 52,000 has some churn associated with it. So um, you have people who got their vaccine and then left the group and then somebody replaced them, right? So it's not just a linear growth sort of uh, scenario that's represented by that number. But we also have the number of people that get helped by someone that we help. Um, and so that get forward mentality. And we have a lot of people that contact us that say, hey, I've helped 10 people, I people, whatever it is, even just one person is amazing. Um, but we have people into the 200s that have gone and, and, you know, helped an entire apartment complex or whatever it is in, in their community. And, uh, then we start looking at the actual Facebook data. And, you know, we've got, you know, roughly about 10,000 posts that just in the top 100 of those 10,000, we've had, a, you know, roughly about 800,000 views, comments, likes, interactions, um, just with a hundred posts. And so when you're talking about 800,000 on a hundred posts, and then we're not even dealing with all the people that came, got information, didn't say anything and went and scheduled, you know, we estimate we're easily over a half a million in the state of Washington. God, congratulations. And thank you. All the volunteers. It's we volunteers. Clicked buttons. So. Yeah. We managed and clicked buttons, but they did the, they were the feet on the ground and did all the scheduling and it's been amazing. So do you have any favorites that's like maybe your first or the toughest one or any that stand out or you're like that, that just my, like tugged at my heart? I, I don't know if I have a, a specific example. Um, I would say we launched our phone line. Um, how long ago was that now? It's really hard. Our time frame or our frame of mind around time has really been warped through this whole thing. It feels like the last four months have maybe been four years. Um, so um, I think it was about a month ago that we launched the phone line. That sounds about right to me. And we really launched that phone line for people that didn't have internet access. And so we took some of our volunteers, we put them on the hotline. So they've been answering the calls, calling people back, putting people's information into the system. And then on the back end, um, our coordinators assign those individuals to volunteers. Then those volunteers connect back with the individuals and find and schedule an appointment for them. So it's like a big circle. And so when we started that, it felt like we were finally reaching the people that we were really trying to reach. And some of these people, you know, we were helping 96 year olds. We were helping one was 101, um, you know, just people that weren't on Facebook, didn't have internet access. They'd go to their pharmacist and say, I need a COVID vaccine. And the pharmacist would say, you have to go online to schedule it. They couldn't even schedule it there in person. And they just were feeling really hopeless and, and just being able to talk to those people and give them a sense of relief. And they've been in their homes this entire year because they're the high risk category. So they haven't really talked. We had, you know, 15 minute, half an hour conversations with some of these people just because they were enjoying the human interaction so much. Um, I can tell you a lot of these people's dogs name, <laughs> we, you know, their grandkids names, what craft projects they're working on, you know, what color the quilt is that they're working on, you know, all those things. And I think it was just the collective feeling of, being able to impact someone in a way that not only made them feel loved, but also potentially saved their life. And I think that that 
was super rewarding for me and I know the phone line team. Um, we felt like finally we're reaching the people that we really, really needed to reach. And these people don't have internet access or don't speak English. Um, and we can talk about it a little bit later, but we actually have a carbon copy of our group that's completely in Spanish and run by the Latinx community. Um, and so we can we can talk about that later. But we ha they also have a hotline, um, which is why that made me think of that. And so they they deal with people that don't speak English or only speak Spanish and um, help those individuals find appointments. So I think that that really was the most rewarding part for me. Steve, I'll let you if you have a story you can think of. I, I definitely have a favorite. <laughs> I think I know which one you're thinking of. Um, there was a gentleman who posted in the group, completely frustrated, frustrated even just by the fact that he had to be on Facebook to to gain access to a vaccine and and post on social media. And, um, you know, he, he was clearly frustrated, um, you know, kind of just went off on the system um, in the group. And rightly so, because um, nobody made this easy on anybody. Uh, you know, and while our goal was to make it easy, it's still super frustrating. Uh, this gentleman, uh, you know, lived near a hospital, but the hospital wasn't offering vaccinations. Um, he has traditionally ridden public transport, um, you know, for a, a significant amount of the last, you know, decade. But, you know, at that point, you know, he just didn't, there wasn't a resource available to try and help connect him. And so, um, you know, in these sort of situations, it takes it even just a little bit more of a personal touch than just, hey, click here or, or whatever else. So I, I messaged him and, um, you know, we we started to get to know each other a little bit. And, um, you know, he uh, he told me his situation. We were able to find a family member that could get him a ride uh, so that he didn't have to ride public transportation. You know, obviously, he was trying to avoid, you know, potentially being exposed in a bus. And, um, so he gave me sort of some time windows to work within and said, you know, I can, I, my family member can, can get uh, me to this time frame, uh, to the hospital at this time frame, And, and so, uh, we got him scheduled and, um, you know, I stayed in touch with him throughout the course of, um, you know, him getting his first dose and then also his second dose. And, uh, you know, I was literally just two days ago, um, we were comparing, our favorite movie theaters in downtown Seattle. Um, and so there's, there's been like a little bit of a friendship that's blossomed from that. Um, you know, and in, in the course of two months, going from, um, you know, someone just throwing their hands up saying people have forgotten about me, um, to, to being genuinely interested in, in this gentleman's story. And, um, our whole group knows who this person is, um, because it really sort of, reiterated the story that we were trying to tell and they saw it play out in live in real time on the Facebook group. Um, Cause you know, we get alerts and things like that when, you know, posts get a certain number of interactions or, you know, it's getting a lot of attention. And so the whole moderator team sort of saw this and it was just really cool to see that come to fruition, uh, you know, able to, to check on him. And he's, he's looking forward to, to go into the theater um, here in a, in a couple of weeks. So. Uh, very, very excited. He's going to be able to get back on public transportation, which was how he's gotten around. And, uh, you know, without going into any medical detail, that was really his only option. And so just a really cool thing to be a part of. for sure. Like, I feel like I would cry every day, every day, just like all the tears. I'm like choked up as you're telling me the story. <sighs> I also think when someone hops into a group that big, 
with that much frustration. I don't think that the uh, initial reaction of most humans is compassion, right? And so even just to create a space that's safe enough for someone to, yeah, like maybe ask, quote unquote, let's say a dumb question. There's no dumb questions, but to get on there and be vulnerable, say, I'm, I'm confused. But safer, safe enough for someone to get on and say, I'm throwing my hands up. I'm so frustrated. I'm so fed up. And it to be a safe space to do that, a compassionate space, a space of love and kindness. Like there's so much more, there's so much layers to that beautiful story. Um, and it just goes to show what a beautiful thing you've intentionally, very, very intentionally built with so much purpose. It feels like there was nothing left to default. There was really nothing that's been left to chance. All the boxes have been checked because you are so passionate, I can tell, and are wanting to do this right. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I said, I'm, I'm curious, um, because I know I'm already, I've already taken up your time. What is a question that people don't often ask that you would love to be asked? What's some information that you would love to share with more, more people, more listeners? Um, I think one of the main things that I would want people to know is that we have 33 languages spoken by our volunteer team. And then we have that Spanish group. Um, and we can give you the link for that if you want to also post it in the notes. It is completely run by Latinx community members. They're a sister group to us. We don't tell them how to run it. We don't, it's, it's all run because the cultural differences are, um, really obvious and it, it's important that people that they trust are giving them information, right? And so two white kids telling a bunch of Latinx community members that they should go get a vaccine and here's where you should go doesn't, it, it just doesn't work. Um, we don't, our words don't hold a lot of weight, but people from their own community explaining to them that this is a safe site and you can go here um, and get vaccinated and it's going to be okay. They're more likely to go get vaccinated then. And so we, we started from the beginning that they run their own group. Um, it's all in Spanish. It's There's no English on that page. And they also have a completely um, separate phone line from the English phone line that is run by um, Spanish-speaking volunteers as well. So um, that has been a really important resource. Um, we helped support an event on Sunday that was for the Latinx community. And there was a mariachi band there. And um, they ended up vaccinating, what was it, 402 people, Steve? Yeah, 402 people. Um, People came with their families, you know, because they can't, it's really hard because they have multi-generational households and they've got their kids and they're working multiple jobs and they don't have the ability to just leave their kids somewhere to go get a vaccine. And most sites say you can't bring children. And so that, that event was awesome because they could, you know, the whole family could come and they could get vaccinated. So I think that just knowing that we have native speakers on our team of multiple different languages and we have that support um, and we know of safe sites is really important. Uh, thank you for, I think that's a, amazing thing to share because as you were talking, my mind was going to all the different people, communities that I am a part of who I just can't wait to share just that piece, just that other, other side that I know nothing about that would be perfect for X, Y, and Z and to share that information out there. So thank you for making sure that we touched on that. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. say kind of the two things for me, um, aside from First and foremost, our, our focus was on minority communities. Um, 
is that we're a confidential resource. Um, so if somebody wants to reach out to us um, and not tell their friends and post on Facebook that they're looking for a vaccine, they just want some help. Um, we have a variety of ways you can do that without posting anything on social media. You can text our phone number um, aside from just calling us. Um, so that that's really important. The other thing that I think um, is really, really critical here is this work is a celebration of some really amazing women that have come together uh, to accomplish something great. We have in our volunteer group, we have two guys and I'm, I'm one of them. Um, and I will tell you that the strength, the power, um, the community that was built in this process um, is something that uh, was absolutely incredible to watch. And I'll tell you, as a guy, I've just never seen anything like it. And so I give 100% of the credit to this group of women that have really done something amazing. And um, I think that has to be celebrated. And on top of that, um, this was all guided by a, a multiracial steering committee, um, which was important to us from the very beginning. And so, you know, we have representation from those communities making decisions for the group. Um, it, it was not a hierarchy of Charlotte and I telling people what to do. Um, it was a shoulder to shoulder. Let's figure this out. Um, but again, um, this, this group of women are amazing. and We have found lifelong friends uh, in this group for sure. You two are leaders. I can see it. You're phenomenal leaders. And I'm like envisioning this like brother sister team to go out to our big companies and tell people how to do it because you're doing it so right with your project. You have the values and then you're not just aspiring to values, you're living them and you have the systems and that you're, it's, you're consistent. Uh, it's, it's so amazing. It, you're running this project, but truly the two of you are leaders of this huge, huge team that is so on point as a business owner. It's phenomenal to see what you've done because I know it's not a business that you're running, but you're running your project like a business. And um, I don't, I haven't, I haven't interviewed um, leaders who have done it as well as you two recently. Thank and you. Charlotte, Charlotte can share with you how much money we spent uh, to build this. Um, yeah. I, I'm comfortable releasing that figure, Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've spent zero dollars. Wow. So this is all. This is all nothing it's we've spent zero so um that and that's because of our volunteers we would not be able to have done this without people doing work for free so um our volunteers are absolutely amazing we joke all of the time when someone you know has to take on a few extra cases for the day we joke oh well we'll pay you double our salary to take this one you know and um we all just we have a great time and i would say that um, it's more of a family of the 75 people, more of a family than anything. And it, it's, you know, I, I joke about this, but like if any of my volunteers showed up on my door and like walked in my house and started eating food out of my fridge, I wouldn't think twice about it. Like that's how close we've gotten. It's been a 24 seven uh, project with them. Um, our, you know, our messenger chat is running 24 seven. Um, I think I counted it one day and I got like a thousand messages in 24 hours or something ridiculous, you know? And, and so it's, it's been a really cool experience to bond virtually with these people. And we've met a few of them in person too. Uh, one of our volunteers actually got vaccinated with Steve and I, which was really fun. 
And so we've been able to kind of bond in, in a few, and Steve's done a few um, other nonprofit volunteering projects with a couple of the other volunteers. And so we kind of all have become this big supportive system. So I'm excited to see kind of where we can take our team next um, and what our next focus is. Um, but it's, it's been, it's been an amazing experience. And then just to like keep touting, like tooting your horn, first of all, family is the hardest people to work with. And you have 77 of them that you're working with. You're so close, right? Sometimes that becomes even harder. You're working on something that's so emotional. You're saving lives, right? You're saving lives and you're talking to people who are scared out of, scared for their life, right? Um, anything else that I'm missing? There's one thing. So I guess from two angles. So one is um, we intend to leverage what we've learned here and fuel a broader organization because we believe more work can be done. Um, the genesis of everything that we learned and put into place and, and all of that has been so important in helping us recognize and understand that um, we need complete redesign of our healthcare system, of our state healthcare, of how we approach these things and putting that equity lens first before we do anything else. Um, and that's a, that's going to be a very challenging change, but, uh, you know, we're going to use whatever platform we have to influence that change. Um, and I don't know what that's going to look like right now, but I can tell you, uh, the Department of Health has been very collaborative, um, has listened and has made changes based on the feedback that we've given, uh, them. And that, that is, uh, that's really important. And, and largely why Washington's done so well, uh, in vaccinations, especially in the, the metropolitan areas, but, uh, the rural areas are, are, uh, an opportunity that, you know, feel they've, a lot of those individuals feel like they've been left behind. So. We want to impact that change at a, at a bigger level than just on this project. Uh, we see this sort of as a, um, as a node of what we want to do at, at, at a bigger scale. I can't even imagine what the two of you will do on a bigger scale. I can't wait to watch and be witness. I think right now, I think for the last year, um, a lot of people have felt helpless and felt like they don't know what to do. Like, I want to help especially starting in the beginning, you know, I want to help. I want to do something, but I can't leave. I want to make a difference, but I am socially distancing. And so I just want to plug um, the two organizations that you referenced again, that please, please go to the show notes and, um, and consider donating because I see that as a gift. I see that as if you are feeling helpless, if you are feeling like, I don't know what to do, help me figure out what to do. That is one way that we can make um, change right now. So I just wanted to make sure before we wrap up that I definitely direct the listeners that that direction after we after we wrap up this call. Uh, and then also, please go and you know join the group, uh, check it out. It is phenomenal. It is so inspiring, and I see that you're even like pivoting right now and talking about the youth and things are just changing and evolving. And it's just um, I just been in awe and inspired. So um, I'm going to wrap this up because I know it's been past the 30 minutes, but I do like to ask all of my, my guests the same question. And um, I have felt this question being answered for the last 35 minutes already, but I'd love to hear what living on purpose means to both of you. 
Um, so I think living on purpose to me um, means that you're intentional in what you do and that you're not just getting by in life, but that um, you've got intention and that your your actions are impacting the community around you in a positive way. Beautiful. I think uh, living with purpose starts with determining what you as an individual or family decides is your why and figuring out why am I doing what am I doing and determining is this thing whatever action you're taking in your life does it roll back to why um, and so being kind and caring is an element of you know why we do what we do um, but the reason why that for me that I'm involved in this is that I believe that every human has a right uh, to live a happy life and there are things that get in the way. And so for me, it's answering, does this help other humans live a happy life? And this is just one thing in our forefront right now that we need to get out of the way and there's going to be new things. And so that's what it is to me. Oh my God. You guys are amazing. Caroline and Steve. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you from the bottom of half a million Washingtonians' hearts. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for this interview. And um, I'm just so appreciative. Thanks for, Thanks having, for us. having us. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Living on Purpose podcast. It has been a blast hanging out with you. If you love this week's episode, please hit that subscribe button. That way you won't miss any future goodness we throw your way. Craving community and connection with like-minded badass women? Feel free to join us in the Living on Purpose Facebook group. And of course, the best gift that you could possibly give is an honest review on iTunes. All right, that's it. Until next time, always keep living on purpose.